right. Uh, last week we started uh, a series that we're just going to preach through uh, through the month of November uh, that sort of has at its foundation what we talked about for several weeks before that in the opening chapters of the book of Romans. Last sermon series was very simply about how we belong to God through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, everything that he has done for us to form us into a family, to form us as his family, as his called and set-apart community. And my sort of wrestling match with that is, is that it's, it's good for us to spend time digging in and understanding and reminding ourselves of the foundational relationship that we have with one another through Jesus Christ and what he's done. We are forgiven, saved, and belong to God through Jesus. The challenge then becomes uh, that once we become a part of something, then it's the challenge of, well, what is it that we now do? And there is this sort of wrestling match in Christianity where we're always wrestling with uh, the sort of grace that God has given us to help us to belong. The whole reason why we belong is because of the faithfulness of God and what he's done. But then there is this sort of works thing that we sort of like, we start getting a little cringy on, like, well, what is it that we do? And do we earn our salvation? And we start this sort of tension when we start talking about, hey, there's something that you actually have to do now that you belong. And so the way that Jesus talks about our sort of works is he calls us to obedience. Jesus says, go and tell everyone all about me. And then he says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. So we are called to belong. We belong to God through the faithfulness of Jesus. But then there is also then a response. Who are we becoming? And what we do helps us guide us into what we become. What we do guides us in what we become. And so my challenge uh, for this series is to not think about this uh, Romans chapter 12 as a checklist as much as it is, is it is a calling. This is what you are called to because you belong to Jesus Christ. You are called to live a transformed and renewed life because you belong to God. You are no longer held captive to sin. You are no longer uh, held captive to slavery, to death. And that is your old life, your new life. You have been called to something so much more. And what Paul, I think, lays out for us in Romans 12 is what a renewed life in Jesus looks like. And it is so much better than our old life. And so as we look at our text this morning, we're just going to look at a few chapters, or a few verses rather, and it is going to encourage us, I think, in some areas where we really need encouragement. If we were to sort of uh, just say a blanket statement over the last two years, I think we could just say it stunk, right? The last two, three years, two, I guess it, two years that have felt like five years, it, it has been a challenge for all of us. I spend time, uh, a great deal of my time with, with educators. Uh, they are as discouraged as I've ever seen them. And they are feeling the aftermath of two difficult years on children and parents. You talk to wait staff at a, a restaurant, and they're just loving life, aren't they? Right? There's never enough people. There's always never enough food. I went to Taco Bell the other day, and the poor lady 
She said, uh, she said, before you even order, just know that we, don't, we didn't get some of our supplies in and we don't have the Mexican pizza. Well, then I started rethinking my life and the decisions I was making. You know, I was like, well, what am I supposed to get here? And then there's the pressure. It's like, well, oh, I had my heart set on that. I'm just reliving my problems. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, it's a tough world when you can't get your Mexican pizza, right? Uh, that's the most trivial I know hitting people, all right? But uh, when we think about life, there are so many challenges to what's going on in our daily world that if we hear that there's a supply chain problem one more time, if we find out uh, that there uh, is another, another variant, if we find out that, you know, another politician lied, uh, well, I think we'll hear that again, right? And, you know, and we get through the election cycle and we get through all of these things and there is all this pressure. The mental health of our children is at a critical stage. I have not seen as many children having a difficult day at school as I am right now. Children who, for whatever reason, a thousand reasons, are having a difficult time just paying attention, just caring enough to be even there to hear a lesson is the last thing on their minds. There are problems, and I don't mean to be an alarmist. I don't want to be like the turning into the old guy beating, you know, beating on the beating the drum of things are all bad and it's all going to pot, right? Like that's what you came to church for this morning, right? I'm just painting the reality though that there is a difficult time happening in our world, and it's not just happening in our world; it's happening in our churches. Uh, overall, churches, all of their attendance are still quite a bit less than what they were two years ago. Churches are closing their doors. Financially, giving is down. People are leaving. People just aren't coming. We, we have faced those challenges as well. There are ministers that are getting out of ministry. There are those that are, are barely hanging on. You know, and I, and I look at the state of the church, and I look at at the state of the country. I look at the state of our schools and our school children. I look at the state of our parents, and I think parents are hanging on by a thread. The anxiety of raising your kids in a world that constantly is changing, keeping track of all of the digital things happening and social media and all of the pressures and all of those things, it is overwhelming to be a parent. It's overwhelming to be a grandparent, looking at your grandkids thinking, ay yay, ay right? We think, as we navigate life, what is it that the world needs? And here's what I think it needs. It needs the church to be the church. And what I mean by that is that we are a renewed people that are not conformed by the world, but people who are transformed by God's Spirit with renewing of our minds, that we would live for God's glory and His honor in our lives. And so today's text is an encouragement to remind us of the high call that God has placed on Etna Green Church of Christ to be a beacon of light and hope and goodness in this world, in our community. He has called you to that. And so let's open our hearts to God in prayer and study his word. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for time to be challenged and encouraged and pointed towards you and your goodness. Our Lord, I've already painted a gloomy picture of the world. We know, Lord, that you know what's going on and you know the hearts of people. You know our hearts and our desire to seek you and 
and to love you and to glorify you. And you also know the challenges that we face. Challenges right now in our parenting. Challenges right now with our finances. Challenges right now in our schools. Challenges with our families. Lord, challenges all around us at work and in wherever we go and the people we interact with. Lord, there's anger, there's frustration, there's hurt, there's distrust. Lord, all around us. We pray that you would protect, that you would guide, that your spirit would fill and shape and form Etna Green Church of Christ, that we would glorify you in all that we do, that we would not let the world conform us to be just another reflection of a broken world, but that we would be transformed by your goodness, your grace, your spirit, your mercy, your love, your wisdom, Lord, that we would be a renewed people, a community who's faithful to you in all that we do. Lord, as we study, as we open our hearts and our minds to you now, would you convict us and challenge us, prepare us, Lord, for the ministry in front of us, every one of us, to be ministers right where we're at, serving you with glory and praise and love and kindness. May your spirit be at work in our lives now, God. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at our text. We're going to jump to Romans 12, looking at verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. I want to focus in on two verses in that text this morning, and that's verses 11 and 12. But to get there, we need to first circle back and look at verse 9. It says, love must be sincere. I've thought about this, and I think, okay, how do we become the people God is calling us to be? How do we become the sort of community that God is calling us towards? If we would let this series be a reminder to us that we belong to God, now who are we to become? Let us become the faithful community God is calling us to. Let us open our hearts to that. And what are the areas in our life that we need to sort through to sort of become that community? And I think that it is in the sincerity of our love for God. It says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Love must be sincere. Another way that that could have been translated is just to simply say there is to be no hypocrisy in our, in our lives. That love, love that is sincere has no hypocrisy in it. And the way that we get rid of the hypocrisy is if we hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And what I find in our life, in our, in our talk, we talk about being loving Christians and, and loving God with a sincere heart. But I think it's safe to say that each of us uh, have some element of hypocrisy in our life. That there are areas in our life where we're thinking, boy, I hope they don't know about that. But I, I want you to know that about this about me, that these good things about me. But there are areas in each of our lives where, and sometimes I think we're just sort of accepting of the fact, well, we're all hypocrites. 
you know, get over it. But Paul is calling us to more than just saying, yes, recognizing our hypocrisy. Paul is calling us to the sincerity of our love, that there would be no hint of hypocrisy. And I think the way that we get there, Paul gives it to us. He says, hate, abhor what is evil. And I think we have let hypocrisy sort of stay in our lives because we've grown comfortable with evil. We let it entertain us. I have let it entertain me. We let it sort of be a part of our lives, and we've just grown to be accustomed to that there's evil things, and evil things happen, and it's just there. We should abhor evil. We should abhor the brokenness that sin brings into this world. We should hate what it has done to families and communities. And so when we hear of evil things, we shouldn't just sort of have nonchalant, well, it is what it is. and that's right. We should reject it and push it away and drive it out of our lives. What evil have you allowed to sort of just sort of be a part of your life? God, I think, is challenging me, challenging all of us to say, what is it that I need to push out and drive out? Pushing the evil away. Cling to what is good. It's the marriage term. We should be married to what is good. We should devote ourselves with that sort of commitment to what is good and push away evil. I think that we need to bridge the gap between the support of uh, the the hypocrisy in our life and the amount of evil that we sort of let in. And we're never going to get rid of all of it. And I think that's the wrestling match, right? Like we're always going to have these temptations and these struggles and these things in our life. But do you hate it? Do you invite God into the struggles of your life to search your heart and to know your anxious ways, to investigate, or are you just going to be the way you are the rest of your life? Right? Are you just going to accept it? Or are you going to say, God, do some work on my heart. Change me from the inside out. Do a work on my soul. Renew me. Transform me. Make me new. The road of transformation is discovering that you don't want to be who you are, but you want to be new in Jesus Christ. That you no, want, no longer want to be conformed by the evil of the world, but be transformed by the goodness of God. Do you want that in your life? You say, man, Jordan's coming at me today. Yes, God is. He's coming after you and the evil in our hearts. He's not going to set the church on fire if we, keep, if we keep dabbling and enjoying and entertaining the evil in our lives. God wants hearts that, that have turned to him. Turn your heart to him. Cling to what is good. So I think the way God transforms community is by us saying there is, there is something wrong, and it's not pointing fingers at people. I preach uh, sermons, and sometimes people will tell me, good sermon, I wish this person would have heard it. And I think, you know, I wish you would have heard it. Hear God on this. He loves you, and he doesn't want to leave you where you're at. He wants to lead you to a renewed life in Jesus Christ, and that is not a bad thing at all that there is grace and forgiveness and love for you. There is forgiveness for your sins. Would you turn from evil and cling to what is good? So I think God renews our family, our church family, our community, who we are when we grow in our sincerity of love for God. 
Would there be no hint of hypocrisy in our life? I think that's a worthy goal to pursue in our life. And just saying, God, root out the hypocrisy in me. Don't let me stand up against a sin and let this other sin sort of just ruminate in my life. Do away with all of it in me, God. Then I may live a life renewed in you. Cling to what is good. Hate what is evil. Grow in your sincerity of love for God. And then out of that sort of love for God, I, when we look at, actually I want to say a thing about pride. Pride is the sort of central sin to all of this. When you think about hypocrisy and pride, they're sort of hand in hand. Pride is saying, God, I got this on my own. I'm going to choose my way over yours. It was Adam and Eve's sin, choosing what they wanted for themselves, and it is the ongoing sin that we continue to wrestle with is pride. And the antidote to that is always humility. And I think humility will transform us and rid us of the hypocrisy. Humility is the way forward. Humility, recognizing our own brokenness and our own need for God, and that's what shows up in our love for one another. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. That's humility when we honor others, when we think of others over ourselves. So we need to grow in the sincerity of our love for one another. I spoke last week, and I just want to highlight and just encourage and remind that last week was about honor, hospitality, and holiness. We think about what God does with a community of people who are pursuing holiness, pursuing a life that is set apart for God that says, you know, my God or my life is lived for the glory and honor and praise of God. That I would think about holiness starts me down the path of thinking, do I love evil and hate what is good or do I hate evil and love what is good? We think about living a life of holiness It's setting ourselves apart for God glorifying him so we offer our lives to god we glorify him with with our a holy life and then we also then honor one another and care for one another and we open our homes and hospitality open our hearts and our lives to live a hospitable life I was, here's where i wanted to focus this morning and give encouragement it's in verse 11 it says never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Douglas Moo translates this as, let your life be set on fire in service of God. Set on fire in service for God. I like that translation a little better. It's a little spicier, you know. But I think it's the challenge. Would you say, and just sort of like thinking about, uh, it, it's not like a one out of ten sort of thing, but just for the, sake of, for the sake of things like ten, you're wild on fire for Jesus, and you are so excited to be at church today, and you, you just want more of Jordan's sermon. You're like, give me more, give me more, go longer, hour, two, longer, two hours, you know. Let's go on into the evening, right? That's a ten. Or if you're sitting there and you're thinking, I don't know why I'm here anymore. And I don't, I don't want to serve. I don't, I don't care. You know, that sort of ambivalence of just completely checking out. Where are you at on the scale? And I think that there is a range in which all of us have been a 1 and a 10. 
All of us have been on that scale. Where do you want to be? Where does God want you to be? So part of me is like Paul is saying, okay, don't, you know, let yourself be, or be set on fire for God. Like, okay, I'll just wake up and do that, right? Like, just because you said so, I, I'm going to go and do that. The question is how? How does God sort of grab a hold of us? How, do the, how, do the, how come there are folks who are set apart and on fire for Jesus and are so in love with him and, and they can't get enough? And How do we get there? How do you get there? And I think that it's turning our hearts to God in the sort of humility of saying, God, I'm not where I, I'm not where I need to be. Lead me forward. Op- I open your heart to God in prayer. Spend time in his word. I have, uh, I have yet to meet... Uh, I've yet to meet someone who's on fire for God and not in love with his word. You know what I mean? If you're in his word, there's the fodder for the fire, right? If you're spending time in prayer, that's, that's where it happens. It's, it's what we've been doing for centuries. We need to keep doing it. Community is where it happens. Encouragement. and It is kindness shared with one another. It's serving one another, right? It's, it's those things that spending time with Christians has helped me in my faith. What has helped you move up the scale? And so what I think has happened in large part is, is that we've sort of, when the pandemic hit and things shut down and isolation happens, isolation wasn't good for anyone. The introverts were happy for a year, but now the introverts are realizing that that's not good either that we need community, that we need life together. We need people who care deeply for us, who encourage us in our walk and say, say that God loves you and cares for you and he, he wants more for you. Spend time with him. You spend time with him, that's how you catch on fire. Moses' face was glowing because he spent time with God. May we, with the the veil taken away, may we come before God into his presence and seek his heart and his way and his life. Be renewed by God. Spend time with him. Does this community need a, does our community need a church that's on fire for Jesus? I think so. So it's, it's not any one sermon that I'm going to preach. It's not any one worship set. It's not an evening of worship. It's, it's collectively saying, together, let's move forward together, seeking God and seeking his heart, seeking his ways, spending time with him, spending time in his word, spending time in prayer, seeking the heart of God. Spend time with him. Be set on fire for Jesus. For those that take that literally don't, but uh, right. <laughs> and then here's uh, here's the encouragement: be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Stay the course. I said that everybody's sort of on the scale at one t- <laughs> at one level or or the other, and I don't know that 
I don't know that any one of them is bad. I think it's where God meets you. And there are times where it is so hard to be faithful. It's so hard to stay faithful in prayer. It is so hard to trust in God. There are people on our prayer list that passed away. And for the families that that directly affects, that's heart-wrenching. Why do we get discouraged in prayer? I get discouraged in prayer when what I think is good doesn't happen and God doesn't listen to me. I get discouraged in prayer when I don't really know what to say or how to navigate things. I get discouraged in prayer when I think that the world just seems so overwhelming that I don't, I don't know even what to pray or how to say it. I get discouraged in my prayers, and I'm sure that you do too. But Paul calls us to the sort of faithfulness of trusting that God is there and God listens and God cares deeply. And how many times does Jesus basically tell us, ask, 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 ask the Father, go to him. He is a loving Father and he hears you, so go, keep going to him. Ask, seek, and knock. Keep pounding on the door. Keep going to the judge. Keep talking to God. Don't give up. And here's Paul saying, be faithful in your prayer. Praying constantly. How many times does Paul tell us to pray without ceasing? How many times does he say, just keep going to God in prayer? And we give so much praise to God and thanksgiving to God and expressing that to God. Like, keep talking to God. Tell him the problems, tell him the praises, and tell him everything in between. Don't stop talking to God. Be faithful. Be faithful. Stay the course. Don't give up. Don't give up serving. Don't say, well, I'm, I'm of the age that I don't know. I don't need to serve the church anymore. If your heart's beaten, you're serving Jesus. It may look different, but it is all the same, and it is all important to the life that we have together. Keep serving the Lord. Keep praying to God. Keep caring for the community. I look at the church, and it has changed a lot, and I think of the folks that have gone before us that served the Lord so faithfully to the Etna Green Church of Christ, and our losing them has hurt. It has hurt us deeply, and it has affected the church that we are. We are a different church because Dick Stouter is not sitting in the pew helping this sermon along. We are a different church because Janet Stouter, a saint above all saints for living with Dick Stouter, who was a prayer warrior for our church family. A loving, faithful servant. We are a different church because Sally Walters, not my secretary, she'd wring my neck, keep me in line. We're a different church because Harold Walters not here praying, praying faithfully on his knees, seeking the heart of God. We are a different church because Charlotte Slavaugh is not with us in her wisdom and her grace and her kindness. We're a different church, and it's hard for me at times. I look out and I'm like, I don't know these people as well as I used to, and it's changed, and all of the things from the last two years have just changed us in a way that I've lost friends, people I care about. We're a different church. And I spent time grieving that, as I know you have. 
And I look at this text. It says, be set on fire for God. Be set on fire and keep praying. God can do something with you. He can do something with us. He can start something new again here. And so it has me asking the question, God, what are you, what are you doing with this group of people? I have mourned what we've lost. But who is it that you want us to become? And so I'm asking you to pray with me a prayer. God, who do you want the Etna Green Church of Christ to become? What is it that you want us to do to serve you and glorify you? Who is it that you want us to reach for your kingdom and for your glory? Who is it in our church family that you want me to minister to and love and encourage and come alongside? How do you want me to be a part of this? Will you ask that question? Will you open your heart to God? Will you say, God, what does it look like for me to just move up the scale? And it hasn't been easy in my life right now, God, and our relationship hasn't been what it's needed to be, but would you just help me? See you, feel you, know you, draw near to me, and change my heart, God. Make me new. I'm tired of being conformed to the world, filled with panic, anxiety, and fear and death, and loneliness, and despair, and suffering. I want a life in you, and your community that you formed. I want a life in your family. I want renewal. I want strength. I want comfort. I want peace. I want you in me, forming me, transforming me into a new person, into the image of Jesus Christ. I want to glorify you with all that I do and all that I am. Would you change me? From the inside out, would you set me on fire for your glory and your honor? Would you turn your heart to God today? What does he want to do with you? And I'm convinced he wants to use you for his glory. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us as your children. Thank you for welcoming us into your family that we can have a very clear sense that because of Jesus, we belong. And Lord, the challenge is that we are in a world of the now and not yet. Lord, it is hard for us to have sincere love. It is difficult. Lord, we still wrestle with sin. We still see evil in our often drawn to it. Lord, catch catch a hold of our hearts this morning and remind us of your goodness. and Let us be drawn to you. And Lord, it can be difficult to serve and care for one another when we don't know what's going on or we don't know how to serve or how to help or how to encourage. Would you press on our hearts, God, this morning a name? a friend, a neighbor, someone that needs you, needs to know that they're loved by you, would you press that name on our hearts and our minds today? Would you give us an opportunity this week 
to love well and to serve well. God, for each of us in our spiritual journey, there are times where we are low and times where we are high. God, we want to be on fire. Lord, we admit that there's been distractions, there's been brokenness, there's been hurt, then disappointments. Lord, we have not always turned to you. And so we repent of that now and we ask that you would renew our faith and let it not just be a flash in the pan, but a long and slow, wonderful fire that keeps growing for you. Work in our hearts now, God, to be that kind of person that is an encourager who lifts others up and points them to you. God, we know that a new life is possible, that joy in the midst of despair is possible, that real hope is possible because of the resurrection of Jesus, because of your victory over sin and death. Renewal comes because of Jesus. Revival comes because of Jesus. Life comes because Jesus lives. May he live in us. May he live in us, Lord. We give our heart to you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand in response with us?